And what sort of tea do you have today, Will? Uh, I've made myself Christmas tea. Nice. It's 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 hard to work out whether that's like kind of someone who's just well into it, and you know, it's it's almost August now. It's basically Christmas, or if it's someone who is. It's a Christmas gift that is just now on the edge of being out of date, so you just had to use it um, <laughs> in in July. I mean, for me, it could go either way. I, I mean, it'll last till next Christmas. Yeah, I just wanted something like warm and soothing. Yeah, I probably eat a Christmas pudding right now, not thinking it's close to Christmas, just because it's Christmas pudding. Christmas pudding's great. Yeah, exactly. I eat any time. You you would eat Christmas pudding in July. I mean, I I wouldn't go out and buy one in July. Yeah, but if it was presented to me for free, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go out and buy one in July? I mean, they're probably hard to come by it for, for you know for one thing, but also, would you, would you feel stigmatized if you were at the tills with a <laughs> plum pudding? If people could could see you, you know, checking that out. Even on the, yeah, the self, even on the self service, there's no hiding. There's just no hiding place. Welcome to Unmuted Unmastered, the internet's most serialised music podcast. I'm Will, and on the show this week I'm joined by James. Hi there. And published author Josh Aldridge. (laughs) Hi, thanks very much for having me. On the show this week, we're going to be talking about the new update for Apple Music on Android. We're going to be talking about China cracking down on Tencent. Our big topic is on music in TV, and I have a review of the new Rodrigo Amarante album. But first, I want to know why everyone's been listening to you, and I want to start with James. All right. Points of Interest by Glue70. So this is an uh, electronic producer. Um, the album from him I've been listening to is Points of Interest. Um, it, I don't really know how it came up on my radar. I just, I guess, I was just listening listening on my um, streaming service, and it came on, and I was just in high straight away. I don't think this album really tries to put anything, I guess, special across. It's just for me, this album is just a really fun listen. Um, it is an electronic album. There's which I've somehow been listening to a bit more, like electronic music. I guess that's Will's influence. Um, it starts really nicely on, in Convey Your Thought, the first track. Um, it starts off like a radio um, station. He talks about, thank you for coming to this album and um, I hope you enjoy listening, which is a really nice start to the album. There's some tracks that remind me a bit like, um, bit of Yellow Magic Orchestra. The main one is Escape, um, but there's other ones like Highway Broken and Dirt Degree. They just have that sort of game music vibe, 
which is just really fun. There's some tracks in in the album that they don't really hit with me, but they might hit with others. There's there's like a track um, which has a lot of samples, um, but like telephone samples and kind of um, real world, real life samples, which it just doesn't vibe with me. But it would, I guess, it would vibe with others. Um, and step into sunshine is another one which I do enjoy. Um, very summary song. I say the whole album actually quite summary. Um, it has some uh, well rapping basically um, in it, and it has this like hip hop pop vibe to it. Um, the combi- combinations just really blend well. Um, and I've listened to um, some of this other stuff um, after listening to this album, and yeah, it's all, all the same vibes really. That kind of game music feel and the summary feels that you get um and i think the 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 album art on um on the album talks about give this to an older generation and they'll like it and i think that's somewhat true i think it's a nice introduction to electronic music and some house stuff as well yeah and it's, it's a really easy listen um i don't think it's gonna offend anyone maybe the last track um Shador, did you along? It's it's quite weird. Um, maybe you skip that one. Or don't skip it. Listen to it, then don't listen to it again. Yeah, it's just an easy listen. I really do recommend it. Have, have a go at it. Um, and if you like it, listen to some of his other stuff. So that's Points of Interest by Glue70. On a scale of one to Rydeen, how would you rate it? <laughs> it's, it's quite hard to reach the upper limits of a Rydeen. So I might, I might give some of these tracks in here a... Well, if we actually go up to 10 and a 5, then 10 is Rydeen. Maybe a 5, maybe a 6. It doesn't it doesn't go too far up there, but they are quite enjoyable. Cool. Right. Josh, what have you been listening to? So nothing new um, for me from, from my listening this week, but I've been revisiting uh, Inner Speaker by Tame Impala, uh, mainly because it's the 10-year anniversary of that album and spotify have got a thing so the 10 year anniversary edition which has two songs at the end um i think that's the only change i haven't even listened to either of those but it did give me the nudge to just have another listen uh, i think it's actually been out a few months but it's only just popped up on my spotify recently um and i love tame impala uh, just love the neo psychedelica thing going on and i sort of got into tame impala at a little bit backwards. I tried Inner Speaker and Lonerism, which um, are his stroke of their first two albums. I never know whether to say his or their, because um, it's not quite just Kevin Parker, but he basically is just Kevin Parker, isn't it? I mean, he does all the music and produces. Um, I guess the only reason you'd say there is for the live shows. Anyway, uh, so I'll just refer to Timmy Paul as... <laughs> his music um and i tried to get into the first two albums and struggled at first um they sort of just went a little bit above me i didn't really get into it and didn't really grab me then currents came out in 2015 i think the uk release might have been 2016 anyway um when currents came out that just felt a lot more immediate to me um some of the you could tell in the in the lyrics and in the music there was 
a lot more urgency in what he was saying. Um, and it really grabbed my attention. I absolutely love that album, still do. And that made me go back to Inner Speaker and Lonerism, which I then got into a little bit more, um, and then quite a lot more. So I've been listening to Inner Speaker again this week and just reminding myself of what a fantastic album it is, really. It starts off with It Is Not Meant To Be, which is just classic early Tame Impala. And it's quite quite laid back, neo-psychedelica, um, talking about... <laughs> Life as a stoner, but also some relationship issues and differences. Um, and it's got songs like "Why Won't You Made Up," "Why Won't You Make Up Your Mind," "Solitude Is Bliss" is a great song. I recommend anyone to go and listen to that one. And yeah, it's just it's a really great album. Again, it, you know, as with you, James, I get summer vibes, um, and that just goes with any Tame Impala. I think I'm not. I'm not totally sure of why that is. Um, I think it might be something to do with the album covers, actually. And the the first two in particular are like very much um, summer days. But I think it's actually the psychedelic uh, as well. Um, you sort of get entranced into this rhythm. It just reminds me of like hot, lost afternoons. Um, and pat- weirdly, like kind of the patterns of psychedelic music makes me think of the patterns as you would see in, I don't know, like it makes me think of the ocean, like expansive things, the ocean, huge cliffs, I don't know, random things like that. I don't know if that's just me (laughs) anyway. So I've been enjoying that this week um, once again, and I recommend Inner Speaker to anyone. It's a a really good album. Um, Yeah, go listen. Yeah, I kind of got into Tame Impala in the same way as you were, Currents was the route in, and then I tried Lonerism afterwards. But I've never got as far as in a speaker, just because it it is a bit more, you know, deeper psychedelic, like less poppy than than Lonerism is, just by being in more or less the same style. It doesn't have those big singles to kind of hook you, does it? So yeah, maybe it's one I have to give some time to. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting that you got in like the same avenue as me. Um, yeah, absolutely, totally agree with that. I would say those three that I pointed out, Solitude is Bliss, um, Why Don't You Make Up Your Mind, and the opening track, they're the ones I would say that are like more accessible, quote-unquote, um, from that first album. Incidentally, I haven't properly gotten into the latest release, the 2020 release. Um, there were a couple of tracks that I enjoyed, but I wasn't crazy on it. Not sure what you yeah, thought. Yeah, I didn't love it either. Yeah. I It, it feels like kind of a stripped out version of what they were doing on currents where it, it's it's not it, it's a bit more pop orientated i guess or dance or with like some dance influence in there as well i just thought for the most part it's not even that the direction was wrong it's more that the songwriting wasn't there to back it up yeah yeah i agree and i wasn't crazy on the dancey aspect of that album as well but i mean for me um and it tim Impala released currents and that for me is kind of a magnum opus it's just such a such a good album could sort of rest on rest on his laurels a little bit i'd say (laughs) right this week i have been listening to a dj mix from over mono who are a london-based dance music duo 
Uh, it's their Fabric Presents mix. So Fabric Presents is a series I've talked about on the show in the past. Uh, it's made by Fabric, the nightclub in London. They also have a, a music label. And they release these Fabric Presents mixes from a bunch of different artists. It's what kind of took over from their previous Fabric and Fabric Live series. Uh, so this just means they don't have to do releases once a month. They can kind of step back and make sure that all of them are really high quality. Uh, so yeah, this one from Over Mono. Um, it reminds me a lot of Fabric Live 37, Casper and Rusko, which is kind of like this seminal dance music release for most people of our age, I think. Um, which was the first all dubstep Fabric Live, which was a big deal at the time. Uh, back in, what, 07? Um, and yeah, a lot of these sounds are quite similar. Not that it's actually dubstep, a lot of this is like that kind of speed garage style that went on to evolve into dubstep and have a lot of the sounds taken from it. So uh, basically the opening five tracks all like have that sound to them. I mean, the second track's by Artwork, who you might not recognize unless you know particularly about Magnetic Man, uh, the trio of Scream, Benger, and Artwork, who are a big deal in uh, dubstep. And also, Artwork did a lot of that at the time, like the early Speed Garage stuff that influenced the dubstep guys later on. Um, uh, up until you get to the track If You Ever, which is a new track that Overmono wrote for this, which is kind of this... Uh, it, it it's kind of a traditional over mono track if you've heard some of their other stuff like La Tigra, um with maybe a bit more of a, a pop leaning to it. But then then we get some like really interesting stuff. So probably my favorite track on the whole mix is uh DJ Zank's uh Pegasons, which is this kind of uh techie house track. Uh, it sounds a lot like Scream's Ode to Mr. Smith, if you've heard that track, which was actually on, I think, only available, unless you got, like, a record of it, on Scream's Fabric Live from a while ago, so yeah, it's all linked up. Um, but it's basically just this, like, pounding kick drum, and, and there's something about the timbre of it that I find really engaging, because, you know, I don't normally like, kind of the tech house kind of style where it's you know hard drum beat and then kind of percussion to pull it all together but for some reason like there's something in the click of the high end of the kick that just really like hooks me on this one uh there are some other fun bits uh vexed pop pop uh comes to mind which reminds me going back to fabric live 37 of bracus on systemas remix of cockney thug that was on that record which was kind of this fusion of uh, dubstep and Kaduro, um, with that like really recognizable like dub police style bassline to it, with the like wob sounds in there. Um, they they kind of go into some different directions later on with more breakbeats in there. They've got a track from Anne's, who's one of my favorite dance producers in the UK at the moment. Uh, she's done some really cool stuff. Uh, the track they've got on here is called uh, Morphing Into Brighter, and it's got kind of these break beats like interspersed within the beat. They give it a fun feel. And then later on they've got 
um, Bacteria by Ed Rush and Optical, which is like this classic drum and bass track that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a cool mix. I think it it's a... If you like UK dance music, you'll love this. And if you want kind of a... It, it doesn't span the gamut of everything going on in the UK at the moment, specifically at the moment, but I think it gives you a nice sampling of some a variety of different styles that have been popular in the UK over the last 25 years. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd recommend this one, Fabric Presents Over Mono. That sounds brilliant. It makes me want to go listen to that, um, was it Rusko and... Casper and Rusko. Yeah. I've heard of the Cockney Thug thing as well. I don't know what. I don't know why that's new. <laughs> Not from like Green Street, like Green Street or something. But Cockney Thug was a big track. Yeah. Back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Oh, the story around that Fabric Live is actually really interesting. Where Justice, the French house duo, was oh, supposed yeah. to be doing that one, um, but they had issues with them. Where so Justice submitted their mix. Uh, and it was like half an hour and and generally these mixes are around 45 minutes um and and fabric weren't happy with that so they asked them to add more and i think there were issues with like the tracks that they wanted to use like getting licensing would have been expensive and then they just didn't submit in time so uh fabric asked casper and rusco like can you do it like today or this weekend and they they were like on their way up to a gig in Manchester or something, and they like at the venue like bef- like where they'd be doing their sound check. They did it all live, all on vinyl, and just did did the whole mix in one go, and it became this seminal album. Wow, that's a beautiful backstory behind it as well. I mean, not for justice because they don't come off looking too great from it, but that's that's awesome. I mean, bear in mind, around this time, Justice were like, I think they would have been hot off the back of Cross. Like, they were being touted as the new Daft Punk. Like, they probably thought, oh, we're above, you know, this mix series or whatever. Or we want to do something really artistic and go beyond the bounds. I can't wait till someone comes to me, like, oh, with a commission, say, oh, Josh, will you write these novels? Um, I'll pay you £300,000. And I'll be like, nah, I'm kind of above that now, mate. Sorry. Cheers, <laughs> Cheers for the offer. Bye. <laughs> I don't think there's that kind of money in these fabric mixes, to be honest. But, <laughs> you know. Right, shall we get on to the news for this week? Uh, first up, I wanted to talk a bit about the update that's just come to apple music so pretty much just after we recorded last week this came out um there was an update to the apple music app and it added the features that uh iphones have had for about a month now lossless and spatial audio have both come uh and i I had lots of thoughts that i jotted down late at night (laughs) while i was thinking about this uh so lossless audio It's on pretty much their whole catalogue, their CD quality, and on certain albums there's high-res available. Uh, That goes all the way up to 24-bit, 192kHz, which is super high-res. But there's also, like, a there are different uh, quality settings you can set. So you can set it to CD quality or 2448 or that high level of 24192. Um... 
things to note, uh, the Android operating system resamples everything that it puts out to 48 kilohertz. So that top level is pretty much pointless. Um, some apps are finding ways around this. So I think Tidal is now doing, uh, uh, what are they calling it? BitPerfect support. So if you have an external DAC plugged into your phone through a USB socket, it won't resample, but Apple Music don't do this, so it's pointless. So if you're listening to music on Apple Music on Android at the highest level and you think, oh, I can't hear any difference. One, it's because you probably couldn't hear any difference between 24-bit 48 kilohertz and 24-192. Uh, but also, yeah, you just it just won't happen. Also on lossless audio, uh, Chromecast doesn't support ALAC, which is the audio codec Apple are using for all of this CD quality and up. Uh, so lossless just doesn't work if you Chromecast. So I have a Chromecast audio that I use with my hi-fi, and all I can stream to it is the standard AAC. Um, also, if you use Bluetooth, even if you're using Sony's LDAC, you're almost certainly not going to hear a difference between standard AAC and any of the high-res. Um, so, you know, it's it's a nice-to-have, but, but there's actually very few ways to hear it. Which brings us on to spatial audio. Spatial audio only works on phones with Dolby Atmos support, which is notable because not many Android phones actually have Dolby Atmos support. Um, so you need a... A high-end Samsung phone, so Galaxy S or Note series, uh, from the last three years for it. So that's like the S8 and onwards. Um, I think other phones in roughly that price category also have it. So Oppo phones, like the high-end ones, have it. Um, but yeah, even like reasonably high-end phones like the Pixel 5 just don't have... Atmos support. Uh, <laughs> even in our crew, right? I have a Pixel 4 and James, you've got a Pixel 4 5a. Yep. Neither of them have Atmos support. Um, I did some research into it because I, I wanted to know if it was possible to get it anyway. Like, if it could come in a software update. And I can't find anything that says specifically what hardware you need to run it. So, um, some notable things are the Galaxy S8, Samsung's phone, received Atmos support in a software up update. So maybe it's not, like, a difficult hardware requirement to meet, like most phones maybe have it, because you would have thought if they had, if they put in specific hardware for Atmos support at launch, they'd have it ready to yeah. go at launch. Also, the Nokia 6, which was, you know, three or four years ago now, had it, and that was quite a low-end phone with a Snapdragon 430, which is not a powerful processor. So, maybe it runs on that, but maybe there's some other dedicated chip. Like, I just don't know. It may also be a licensing issue, so... On Windows, most modern Windows devices support it. So I checked my personal laptops and my work laptop, and they all support it. But Microsoft 
or the OEMs who make the laptops haven't paid for a license. So the support is there. You just have to download a program from Dolby and pay their 10 or 15 pound fee to actually like activate it. So it would be nice if something like that came to Android, but it's also possible that maybe maybe the audio chips don't support it. But yeah, it it's confusing. And I'd like some clarity from Dolby or the <laughs> the phone manufacturers uh, if it's not possible. And if it is possible, I'd quite like them to send it to us in software updates because it's a nice feature to have. And it, it does kind of make, like, budget Android phones look worse. Like, the iPhone SE is, what, 450 for the, like, for a sensible one with enough storage. And that has Dolby Atmos support. I don't see why we shouldn't also get it on the Android side. Yeah, the only thing I can think of it being is, like, a... A licensing thing because I mean if the other phones don't have have it and if it was just a software update in what was it the Samsung phone you said um why would it not come to a Google phone which is one of the the largest companies in in this um, space mm. it does it does make me worry that like it's an Apple service and Maybe Google don't want to push you away from YouTube Music. Not that I think anyone really wants to use YouTube Music, right? Like from from all I've seen of it, looks terrible. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now, and it looks like it's a a software thing. So, yeah, who knows? I, yeah, I'd also love to hear from these companies, uh, especially and Google. If it is a software thing. If they can do it on Windows, I don't see why there couldn't be some app that adds in the support as a, as an add-on. Like, I'd quite happily pay £15 to be able to try this out. I did try it out, actually, on a laptop. So, obviously, you can't use Apple Music with it, but you can, like, do Dolby's demos and watch some movies with it. And I didn't think it sounded much different to normal stereo. Uh, maybe on on the music side it might do. Um, but I wasn't hugely impressed. This is on the headphone side, obviously, rather sure. than actually playing it on a on like a Dolby Atmos like surround sound system. But then again, like how are you going to play Apple Music over a surround sound system? <laughs> in surround right like there's no way i think you can do it so it's only on headphones yeah going back to that quality thing as well um i'm looking at my apple music now and if i um try and change the quality um to high resolution lossless it tells me that i need an external digital to analog converter so an external DAC. The thing is, you can't really blame Apple for a lot of this. Like, it's not Apple's fault that Android manufacturers haven't put haven't put Dolby Atmos support in their phones, or that Android resamples everything. It's just it's just frustrating from the end user's perspective that these things aren't there, and it makes the whole update feel a bit vacuous. Yeah, and even like 
I can see on most albums in my library, or most albums that I come across, most of them are lossless. And it just seems pointless on my end right now. I mean, the thing is, unless you're going to hook it up to a hi-fi, honestly, it's kind of pointless anyway. Like, unless you're using good headphones, like, with a deck, or you're using, like, a like proper speakers, like, on my earbuds, I'm not... I will own up and say I don't really hear the difference between CD and, you know, decent quality AAC or MP3. I like having the CDs and having my CDs ripped and everything, but... Yeah, it doesn't make much difference to me. I think it comes to a point where you'll notice a difference if you listen to it side by side, but when do you get to a point where you're going to listen to these things side by side and really tell the difference when you're listening to the higher quality on its own? Even side by side, like, <laughs> there are those tests online that you can do where it's like, here here are two audio files, and <laughs> which one is the CD quality one, and most people can't get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on from my little rant. Uh, China has been cracking down on Tencent, uh, specifically around uh, their dominance in the music streaming rights market in China. Uh, so China's ordered Tencent, which is Asia's most valuable corporation, to end exclusive licensing deals with music labels. Uh, they've also been fined uh, 500,000 yuan, which is around 56,000 pounds, uh, for unfair practices in the online music market. 56,000 pounds doesn't seem like much for a company like that, right? Yeah, I'd expect something in like the hundreds of thousands. I think they had revenue last year of something like 16 billion. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, what does they even do to them um an official investigation found tencent's 2016 acquisition of china music corporations uh stakes violated regulations partly because of a lack of reporting to authorities uh the government agency also asked the social media and gaming giant and its affiliates to stop demanding music copyright holders to give it better treatment than its competitors through practices such as providing high advance payments. The company and its affiliated businesses have been told that they can no longer engage in exclusive deals over music rights and must dissolve any existing agreements within 30 days. Uh, so a bit of background on this. So uh, Tencent bought China Music Corporation back in 2016, uh, giving it rights to more than 80% of all music tracks in the market. Um and the state administration of market regulations say that they had an unfair advantage over rivals. So basically, in China, some of these companies have paid the major labels, so Universal Music Group, Sony Music Group, and Warner Bros. Music Group, uh, to have like the licensing agreement to play their stuff. Uh, and to license it out to other streaming services in China, notably. Also worth noting, Tencent Music Entertainment, uh, which is kind of the subsidiary of Tencent, uh, it was created in a, in the merger of QQ Music, which was Tencent's existing music streaming platform in China, 
uh, with China Music Corporation. So QQ Music was the number one streaming service in China. It was a joint venture with Spotify. China Music Corporation owned the second and the third biggest streaming services in China. So now ten <laughs> after 2016, Tencent owned the top three streaming services in China. So that's like one company owning Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon. It's like mind-boggling. Um, so yeah, Tencent's uh, long held a commanding lead in Chinese music through exclusive rights to a major chunk of uh, Universal, Sony, and Warner's catalogs, which it then sub-licenses to other streaming services owned by the likes of NetEase uh, and Xiaomi. Um... So yeah, this is kind of part of a wider crackdown by the Chinese government on the growing influence of tech companies. Uh, we've seen it in some other industries as well. Following the news, uh, shares in Tencent itself were down 5.7% and uh, shares in Tencent music entertainment groups uh, were down by 6.9%. So that's a pretty hefty chunk of like losses in value. Mm makes me think that fine was just and just a almost like a just a gesture just to you know we have to find them something we'll just do this um but the main the main punishment here is going to be that decrease in stock and the fact that this is going to be a big news story um just makes me wonder the existing deals as well i guess yeah 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 they basically have to give up on all of this revenue that they'd expected to yeah basically owned for a long time mm. it is a i mean sub-licensing the rights to that's 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 getting almost needlessly complicated and just seems like they well i mean making money for nothing there i don't know <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to get my head around that actually just thinking about actually sub-licensing music they haven't i don't know <laughs> i struggle to get my head around it um, but I think it's a positive step that they're like, kind of cracking down on that, especially given the market share. Yeah, the fact that they they control 80% of all the music going around in the country. <laughs> like, that that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's also worth noting that Tencent have minority stakes in all three of the majors, Universal, Sony, and Warner. So... so they're, they're paying for the licensing, but they also own part of the company that's getting paid. The whole like deal with these major companies in the music industry at the moment is just maddening. I, the cynical part of me thinks that this is maybe more of this, you know, bigger move by China to kind of crack down on these companies so that they have more control in the country. You know, if you want to look at it in a more positive light, you could think, well, that you know, they're they're cracking down to incentivize growth in the economy, which I think is a sensible thing to do. But also with you know the Chinese government's history of you know wanting control over you know what its people have access to and the things that they want. Partly, it might be them thinking, well. You know, these tech companies aren't doing what we want all of the time, so we're going to start bringing them down to size. And you've got to mention that the deals they have are 
with companies outside of China, and that could probably be a factor that's being played here. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess in general, it, it's kind of a positive thing that some countries are able to start making these steps, right? That Because, you know, there's been lots of talk for years now about, you know, the US cracking down on the tech giants or the EU making big steps. I mean, we talked last week about the UK government looking into the, the major labels who are these huge companies at this point. So yeah, this seems to be one of the first times something big has been done about it. I mean, it, it's still not huge. They're still going to own the top three streaming services in the country, right? <laughs> so it, it it's kind of taking them from, you know, being ridiculously huge and, like, controlling way more than, you know, any any other music company outside of China to... You know, being more in line with the behemoths we've got out here in the rest of the world. Should we get on to our big topic of the week? This week, I thought we could talk about music on TV. So we talked about films before, right? And we've talked about games as well. So now it's time to bring out the final piece of the Triforce, TV. I thought you were going to say trifle then. <laughs> if TV was a part of the trifle, it would be the jelly. Like... It wouldn't be quite right with, without it, but it is kind of the most disappointing part. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the jelly bit. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I think the cream yeah, is the most It's not blancmange, is it? Actually, that's a good point. The cream's yeah, a bit superfluous. The blancmange is definitely the best bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think... I don't think any part of a trifle is superfluous. I've actually... Um, actively experimented with this and tried to have it without the thing, just tried to remove the, each part on separate occasions, and it just doesn't work in any of those combinations. You have to have all three. <laughs> That's my opinion, anyway. <laughs> it's worth more than some of his parts, basically. Mm. That's true. Music would be like the little finger biscuits that you put in the bottom. <laughs> so, like, because it's soaked in alcohol, aren't they? Aren't they usually <laughs> soaked in sherry or something? Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to claim I know the how to make a trifle. I've never done it. So when you say you've tried having it separate, do you mean you've bought a trifle? Yeah, and th taken parts off. Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I've still eaten those parts. I don't want people to think that I'm I'm a food waster. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, eating them minutes after consuming the said combinations. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I've done the hard work for you. Do not de um, comp decompose that's not the deconstruct. word deconstruct deconstruct that's what I was looking for thank you decompose. <laughs> don't let definitely decompose don't either. Eat, 
Do not eat a decomposed or deconstructed trifle. There you go. Hard-hitting journalism on Unmuted and Mastered this week. Big investigations. Uh, TV's a bit of a weird one, right? Because there's not the same budget as movies, and things generally have to be turned around so much faster. So I'm going to break it down into a few sections, so if, if we try and keep to that. Uh, first up is TV scores. So like the actual like music written for TV. I feel like they're always kind of bland, or normally quite bland. Like I think, have you seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Where, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who plays Marshall on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, Jason Siegel. Yeah, Jason Siegel. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, yes. I know the guy. <laughs> Jason Siegel. <laughs> uh, Jason Siegel plays <laughs> this um, guy who scores like a CSI type show, but it's always just like bland soundscapes, like all the time, and they make a joke <laughs> out of it. And that's what I think about when I think of TV scores. Like, it's just these like musicians who have grand aspirations who end up making this really boring music like all the time, over and over again. But yeah, does anyone know any good TV scores they can think of? I watched a Netflix series recently um, called Behind Her Eyes, and I wouldn't say it's the greatest thing ever, but it does go really well with the action in the scenes and it it plays well with the uh, like building tension and the kind of things you'd want in a in a in a score for a tv series but it doesn't get i guess doesn't get cheesy it doesn't get it just really blends it well with with what you're seeing um i don't think it'd work just listening to it on its own um but again it's it's not the greatest thing ever but it is it is quite good for what it is. On the Netflix series uh, direction, Stranger Things has to be mentioned, right? Yeah. The soundtrack for the first two seasons are so good by Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein of Survive. Like, I, I even without the soundtrack, I mean, the the soundtrack you can listen to on Spotify isn't, like, nicely sequenced like the Minecraft one is. Like, we've spoken about that before, how, like, it's more of a here's the music from the show type deal but like some of the tracks are just so good and like like the sound design's interesting and i really thought it was a mistake for in i don't know if the artist just didn't want to come back for season three uh but but they went more in the direction of having like uh licensed tracks from that time i mean obviously they had a few in season one right but they, they were kind of more as part of the story, whereas in season three they just kind of got rid of lots of the synth tracks and just had the licensed music, and I thought... I mean, there were other issues with season three as well, but that was a big one where I was like, ah, oh, this kind of falls flat for me now. I've not watched Stranger Things. Have you not? Wow. I, I know, I know. I'm one of those people who's constantly apologising for things I haven't watched. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll get to it, uh, and just, just never get to it. <laughs> you don't have to apologise, like, you know, watch what you want to watch. Thanks, Will. But you should listen to the soundtrack, though. Yeah. Like, I don't mind if you watch the show. The show's long, you know. They're like hour episodes or something. The soundtrack's an, an hour and 
10 minutes. So yeah, TV scores generally kind of lackluster, right? Yeah. But theme tunes can sometimes be pretty good. Because like that that's where the budget goes. You know, we're going to use this song for every episode. It has to be decent. So yeah, <laughs> what's everyone's like favorite TV show theme? Um, For me, there's this... Sorry to mention anime, but this is um, Tokyo Ghoul anime, um, which has this. It starts off with kind of, kind of calm, and yeah, you know, just relaxing piece, and uh, I guess orchestral piece with a, with female vocals. But then it just goes into this kind of heavy metal, almost baby metal <laughs> vibes, which yeah, it just it really kind of captures you and brings you into the anime and i think it really reflects the the themes that happen in the anime as well so yeah that's just that's one one of my favorites to be honest i'd say my favorite is probably from narcos i don't know if anyone's watched this i i think it's yeah it's another netflix series uh it's about like the drug cartels from colombia um but it has a a theme tune written by Rodrigo Amarante, who's going to come up later in the episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just a like a really good song in its own right that was written specifically for it of this like uh, like MPB track. It's just very fun. Also, I want to give a shout out to all of the CSI shows, which all used <laughs> different songs by the Who. Nice. Like I feel. Like so, so many of those kinds of shows always have like you know generic, bland tracks. Like it's quite cool to have those ones in. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that. I've never seen it, but wow, gone like all guns blazing as well. Gone all out there. I love it. What do you mean you haven't seen all like two thousand episodes <laughs> of CSI, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I once tried to get into EastEnders, and I was like, I was kind of just like, where do where do I begin here? Like, do I do I just jump right in? You know, not knowing any of the characters, I'll pick it up, you know, in a month or so, I'll know them all. But I won't know anything about the history. I won't know about characters that have left the show or or whatever. Where do you start with the soap? That's a that's what I want to know. I want to put that. What that I want to know to is people. why you wanted to get into EastEnders in the first place. <laughs> uh, you know, I just thought I, thought I must be missing out. I thought, surely I must be missing out. It's on like every day. It must be absolutely the absolute the best show ever. It must be amazing. Surely, if it's on every day, is it even on every day? I thought it was on like every weekday. Weekdays, not. yeah. I mean. But yeah, has anyone else had that problem not knowing not knowing where to segue into a soap? <laughs> not I can't say I have. No, no maybe some of our listeners uh, have. <laughs> yeah, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know if so, if they have season one. I feel like with one. that kind of thing, you just have to you know throw yourself in, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Because you'll you'll never catch up. If you go from the beginning, and I I think most of the appeal is talking to people about it, right? Yeah, like you want to be watching the ones when as they're coming out, so you can discuss who murdered who or who's having a fight down the pub or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Another thing I never got my head around. Um, this was a different. This is not to do with that EastEnders phase. This is just in general. Um, often, the, you know, you see the magazines um, in the shop, and it says, "Oh, this is what's happening in EastEnders this week." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to watch it now because I already know everything that's <laughs> happening here." Part of the sus- suspense for me is the not, the not knowing, and that's where the intrigue comes from. But I don't know. People are impatient. I guess is the moral of this tale. People need to see how they get there, though, you know, the character development that happens along the way, the meaningful dialogue that, that builds up the the place and the people as as concepts and works <laughs> towards the themes. You don't get the themes through from a paragraph, do you? That's the thing. That's so true, Will. So true. <laughs> I'd like to, if we're talking about, like, uh, theme songs... Just contrasts two um, because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Simpsons and Family Guy out there. I don't know if you've you two have watched any of both or a lot of both of those and know the songs I'm talking about. One of those, I think, because they both like kind of they've got a few um, brass sections in the thing, and they've got a kind of almost like a big sound going on. One of them for me really works and one of them doesn't. I don't know what you think. I don't even know if Family Guy, because obviously it came after The Simpsons, was trying to imitate it to a small degree um, with that sort of big sound with the brass section, whatever. And I wondered if if you had that same thing. And for me, well, okay, I'll just say the one for me, I think The Simpsons is really cool. I really like The Simpsons one. For me, The Family Guy one's just a bit... I kind of like the... The word, the lyrics in the Family Guy one, it's like, kind of talks about how there's no such thing as like, you know, humble. It's it's sort of like taking the mick out of itself because it's saying there's no such thing as like humility and nice, good, wholesome values anymore. It's all about sex on TV and violence. When the show itself does obviously have loads of both of those things in it, um, but yeah. I'm not crazy on the Family Guy one. I think it grows tiresome quite quickly. Whereas The Simpsons is just awesome. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think it's the lyrics that that do that? The- I don't have strong opinions really on either of them. But yeah. do you think like it being in- mostly instrumental on the Simpsons side has kind of made it a bit more irreverent? Have I used that word correctly? Oh yeah, that's not the word I meant. What what's the word I meant? Like. Lasting the test of time. What's oh, but I, I totally get what you mean. Um, because even though I don't think like the the lyrics in the Family Guy theme tune are obsolete by any means, um, you're sort of hearing that every time you watch the show. You're hearing those words every time. And you kind of like, after a couple of times, you're like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I don't really need to hear this anymore. Because um, it's not like a fantastic song in itself. You're just like, oh, yeah, okay, just just start, thanks. <laughs> Whereas The Simpsons is catchy and it's sort of just there and you don't have to pay attention. It's not like asking you to do anything. Maybe I'm getting a bit too deep into this anyway. No, I think I think you're <laughs> right. I think a TV show intro, intro song or opening, um, Family Guy kind of talks to you and tells a story and i guess that's not really what you want you want kind of just a 
kind of a basic song that doesn't really talk to you, but talks about something in general um, or no notes at all. I, I think it's probably actually quite a unique um, intro in that sense. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, I do think uh, Simpsons is quite iconic and I think it works really well. It's, it, it's deliberately kind of fun, almost tongue-in-cheek kind of sound, but it still manages to just sound sound great. Yeah. I can hear the Simpsons theme in my head a lot better than I can the Family Guy one. Yeah. Right, and then the final part of, of this segment, I guess, is shows that have licensed songs in them. So we talked about Stranger Things, where it has some of it. But, like, where there's, like, actual music by real bands, like, mixed into the show. I'd have to kick off, because, um, as is probably apparent, I don't watch an awful lot of TV, and I was kind of struggling to think of ones for this, and then realised that I've actually watched an entire series twice over in the last year. Um, and that series is Normal People, which I think is fantastic um almost as good as the novel which is something not often said um and i think because this is about like kind of two young people and their love that works and doesn't work at different times um and they're going through college and university um but it's obviously a very brooding um sort of tv series there's a lot going on about the times and um it's it's quite sad in places. Well, it's really sad in places. Um, and I think they, they nailed it, like, in so many aspects, but the, the soundtrack is great as well. So they've got, like, in those energetic sort of moments when they're having dr- drinks out with friends and stuff at college, like the final drinks at college or at university, enjoying their n- new freedoms there. You've got, like, churches, um the in particular the London grammar um arty remix of Hey Now, which I just played on repeat after watching Normal People because it's such such a banger. Um bit of Carly Ray Jepsen in there for you, Will. I know you love. So, now you've got my interest. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So the song Too Much is in there, which is adds a good dose of energy as well. Um but then they've also just done they've played that off so well with these like slightly melancholic moments and more downbeat and as i said brooding moments you've got horn by nick drake which seems to creep away away into a lot of different things like adverts even and i think that even there was um accompanied a piece about the england men's uh football side in the euros um which i thought seemed out of place but i mean great june so why not um elliot smith makes it onto the soundtrack and a song that like sort of encapsulates the whole mood for me, which is, um, La, is it La Lune or La Lune? Anyway, Billy Martin, a wonderful song. Um, and just, just, yeah, as I say, it sort of captures that whole mood and, um, this kind of a formative time for some of the characters and normal people. And that can come with its, difficult moments and that song's just um a little glimmer of hope as well as sort of yeah capturing that mood it's a it's a really great soundtrack to a great tv series there are a couple of shows i wanted to mention first off how i met your mother has like some really 
good licensed tracks in it. Uh, they've got songs by Band of Horses, The Shins, Real Estate, which I didn't realise the first time I watched it, and then I watched it back a few years ago now. I was like, that's a Real Estate song, I didn't realise that. Uh, they've got This Modern Love by Block Party in one of the season finales. Um, they've got a Fort Atlantic song, I found Fort Atlantic from from that show. It's just lots of, like, good kind of mainstream but not like mega star type indie tracks uh which i really appreciate because it is the kind of show where you know younger people will probably watch it and then they'll find these artists for the first time like the shins like band of horses and and get into them which you know maybe doesn't happen as much anymore but you know back in the noughties you know we relied on shows like that and the OC to find new music, right? So. <laughs> and the other one I want to mention, I won't say what the song is, because if you haven't watched season one, it, it will kind of ruin some stuff. But there, there's a licensed track at the end of season one of Mr. Robot, uh, which is chosen to reference something else to like fit with the themes of the show. And it's it's just kind of like this really cool moment where if you recognize what the song is the it's a cover track but if you recognize the song and you know like where it's been used in another place you'll be like oh that that's it's a bit on the nose but it's it's really cool that they've used it but yeah watch mr robot it's so good um and it's over now so you know there are a set number of episodes <laughs> you can just binge through the whole thing like EastEnders. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's also very good unlike East <laughs> i um i do that by the way you know if i do notice a song i think it's great there's so many blogs or databases of uh soundtracks and obviously spotify now just seems to almost instantly have the full soundtrack um in a playlist but um yeah i was watching i may destroy you and there's a song in there i loved and i was you know I think it's I think it's lovely when you watching a show or something and you pick up a new favorite song just a song or like even a like an artist that you will soon love um just based of that off of that I think it's great such a nice moment when that happens Yeah it's always exciting when you find something that's it's like oh I really like this and then you figure out where it's from and you know that that's a lot easier now cuz you know you can just use google assistant and it'll tell you what it is but you know back in the day you had to hope that someone on the internet had answered like what's the song in season two episode 13 of this show (laughs) i love it when people try and um try and write down like the the thing as well they're like oh what's the song that goes na 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 my chemical romance (laughs) (laughs) oh yes yes james love that um, the series I wanted to mention um, is Hospital Playlist, which is also happens to be on Netflix, but it's a K series, so a K drama. This has a lot of tracks that are licensed, and like in most K dramas, they get they deliberately get um, Korean artists um, to write songs for the drama, um, which I find very interesting. Um, the, the songs in this drama, not really, I guess, something 
the genre is not really something we talk about, or at least that I generally enjoy. Um, there's a lot of kind of Korean ballads and that sort of music, which I don't generally listen to, but they go really well with the, the moments in the drama and they really add texture and depth to, to, to the scenes. Um, but I specifically talk about this one because um, the actual characters in the, um, in the drama are musicians and they're in a band together and they play the songs in the drama, which is kind of cheesy, but it's kind of fun as well. And you can tell that they know that the actors actually know the instruments. And the um, one of the lead actors in the drama um, is quite a popular actor, but he's also a musician and his wife's a musician as well. Um, and yeah, it's it's just really great fun when you, you're seeing these musicians slash actors play their music. Um, it, it just adds a bit of fun to the drama when kind of like EastEnders, it can be depressing at some points. Um, maybe not as depressing as EastEnders, actually. But um... <laughs> You're not talking about the show, just the general like, stage of having to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely both. Um... <laughs> <laughs> People are going to hate me for this episode. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. It's, back to the series. It, it just adds a bit of fun to the series. Um, and if like I think I think especially for Korean Korean viewers who like particular um, Korean bands, and they come out with a song and they hear it in the series, I think that's quite fun for them. Um, but generally, the bands in in the series I don't really listen to. Yeah, I've never seen that series. I was a bit worried when you said Hospital at first. You meant the the BBC documentary that's been about the response to COVID, which I was like, I hope, I kind of oh, hope that doesn't have a good soundtrack, to be honest. It doesn't, it needs to be quite serious, but yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good show. Interested in that. So let us know your favourite TV show soundtracks and scores and whatever. You can tweet at us at Unmuted Weekly, or you can email us at unmutedunmastered.gmail.com. Next up, I've got a review for you. It's of the new Rodrigo Amarante album. Uh, the album is called Drama. Uh, so this is the Brazilian artist's second album. It's the follow-up to 2014's Cavallo. Uh, it's out on Polyvinyl. It came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've been taking some time to listen to it uh, before reviewing it, mostly because um, I'm not used to listening to this type of music uh, all that much, so... Uh, I I wanted to actually give it time to get my head around it. Uh, like I said earlier, he wrote uh, Toyo, which is the theme to the TV show Narcos, which 
lots of people, at least in America and Europe, would probably know him from. Uh, but back in the noughties, he was in a couple of different Brazilian bands. And then in this decade, he's kind of gone on to have a solo career and be quite popular. Uh, so it is uh, MPB music, which I think is just kind of a catch-all term. Uh, it stands for Musica Popular Brasileira, which basically just means popular Brazilian music. Uh, in essence, the style like takes traditional elements from Brazilian music like uh, samba and uh, uh, kind of like earlier stuff and bossa nova and mixes them with more modern production and songwriting elements. Um, so that's kind of what you're getting into with this one. Uh, it opens with the title track, which is kind of like an intro section uh, with like these really vintage strings, like it sounds like something from the 50s. Uh, the mood is into the first lead single... Mare, uh, which is what really excited me for this album. I heard it, and it, it's just fantastic. It has these like overlapping guitar and percussion parts, and they all layer in really interesting ways. Like that, it, it's kind of like when we've talked about uh, Japanese artists and and their songs have a sound because of the types of chord progressions and chord extensions, and and the way that they do melodies is kind of different. It's kind of similar here where all, all of the parts sound like they're from Brazil without me really knowing <laughs> how to put my finger on that. But it it's just all kind of the percussion and the guitars all kind of overlap. It It's like, think of like the way that an American football track, like all of the parts are all, you know, kind of simple and then they all come together and it's it's sounds great because they overlap in interesting ways. It's kind of the same, but just with more stuff. There's lots of different percussion parts and a few different guitars. And uh, there's a synth in the track that that it's kind of in the background, but it almost sounds like Gorilla's y. Like it has that kind of toy like sound to it. Uh, and it all comes together into this very like danceable, samba y type song uh, that I think is fantastic. Uh, some other standout tracks. Uh, Tango uh, switches the lyrics to English, so this is the third track on the album. So, like half the albums are in about half the uh, half the albums half about half of the songs are in Portuguese, and then the other half are in English. Uh, it's kind of this sweet love song, but it's performed with like such heart that you like believe it. It doesn't have to be complex, like. Uh, it manages to what would probably come across as corny from a lot of other vocalists comes across as really sincere. Um, and it, the music in my ears kind of paints this picture of, you know, people dancing at like some small bar after hours that's dimly lit. And it, it's just kind of this intimate moment. Uh, again, the percussion is just fantastic and it, it it's across the whole record. Uh, I think there's, one maybe two tracks that have actual drums and otherwise it's it's these built up uh combinations of shakers wood blocks claves uh hand claps in places uh, and lots of other stuff kind of making these uh rhythms all together 
So it it kind of feels like, you know, it's a solo artist's album, but it feels like this kind of big group making music together. Um, Another track I wanted to mention is Sky Beneath. There's almost like a hint of like Western in it, like like American Western. Um, It has kind of a straighter rhythm and a a more prominent bass line that kind of builds into that. Um, So yeah, overall, the modern production and, and the really dense arrangements kind of over this base of traditional Brazilian styles, I think works really well. Um, off the back of this, I'm planning to check out more music from Brazil because I've really enjoyed this, and hopefully this is kind of like an entryway drug into into more of it. Um, yeah, I, I can't recommend this album more. It, it's fantastic. It's got the twists and turns you want in it with more upbeat tracks like Mare and then kind of the more slowed down, like more romantic stuff. It, it's i think for a western listener or someone who speaks english and not portuguese it's quite nice having the the tracks in english mixed in there so you do have occasionally you can pick up oh he's singing about this and i don't have to look it up like it i feel like it's quite a nice balance between that and him getting to sing in his native language uh and yeah e- even if you're not interested it you you have no interest ever in listening to Brazilian music. I think the the guitar parts and particularly like all of the rhythms that he's using are, are so interesting that it's definitely worth checking out. So yeah, that that's drama by Rodrigo Amarante. Big recommend. Yeah, thanks for that, Will. Um, I think I'm definitely going to listen to that because I haven't really listened to. Um, international music from south america at all really um and i've just listened to a few tracks on there and yeah it doesn't sound like too alien it still has that kind of kind of easy gateway to be honest it's it yeah it's really fun to listen to and i'm definitely going to listen to it right and then on to the final part of the show upcoming releases this week uh not too much to talk about this week uh, kind of a quieter week. Uh, first up, Hippocampus have a new EP coming out. It's called Good Dog, Bad Dream. Um, they've released one single from it, which is... It's a catchy song, but it's not very good, if that makes sense. Like, I quite like it. Like, the chorus is well-written, and I think the the melodies are quite catchy. But the lyrics are just, like, head-scratchingly bad through the verses. <laughs> Um, it seems like they're going more in like a hyperpop type direction to try and bring in younger audiences, I guess, into their sound. Um, I'm kind of fine with them doing that as long as they don't, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and just become terrible at songwriting in the process. Because I really did love their, their first two albums. Like, I don't know if either of you have listened to them, but they're... Uh, like first few EPs and then their debut album Landmark were very much like uh, early 2010s indie rocky type stuff. So kind of like Two Door Cinema Club and uh, Bombay Bicycle Club, I guess, and uh, Last Dinosaurs and bands like that, like that kind of upbeat indie poppy type sound. And then their second one, they went more in an 
in a synth poppy direction, but it, it still worked. I just <laughs> hope that this does too, because it'd be a, a beer. Because <laughs> it would be a shame if they suddenly became bad. Mm. Uh, next up, Foxing's new album comes out this week. It's called Draw Down the Moon. On that note, uh, they've specifically mentioned that this is trying to draw from early 2010s pop. Um, which isn't a particularly trendy thing to do, really. I don't think many people, particularly critics, look back on that time of bands like Foster the People and stuff as being particularly cool. And it's a big shift for an emo band to kind of go into that direction as well. I'm not the biggest Foxing fan, so I'm I'm kind of sitting back interested to see how this does and if it's going to signal more of a shift with with other artists. Um, I listened to some of the singles and this hasn't really changed my mind on not particularly caring about Foxing all that much, so, you know, I might give it a go. We'll see. Uh, next up, Kississippi has a new album coming out called Mood Ring. Um, I haven't listened to any of the singles from this one. Uh, I'm also not the biggest Kississippi fan. Um, but she's done some cool stuff in the past, like odd songs I've quite liked, so uh, it might be one to check out. And then finally, it's been talked about a lot in music circles recently. Kanye West's new album, Donda, has been rumoured to come out for a while. I think the release date is now set for next week. Um, but apparently he's in a... He's in like stadium, a, isn't it? Stadium, yeah. yeah. I don't understand... I'm not expecting it to come out. At this point, like, when it gets here, I'll listen to it, but I don't really care otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be nice to have, like, what I'm assuming is going to be a more traditional Kanye West album again. Yeah, something's changed since his last album in his life, so yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see if that that's reflected in his lyrics. Hmm. So yeah, that's upcoming releases this week. And I guess that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly if you'd like to. Uh, subscribe to us in your podcast service of choice. And if we're not on a podcast service you like to use, let us know and we'll get there. Um, Otherwise, I've mentioned our email earlier in the show, unmutedunmastered at gmail.com. You can email us there. Um, that's pretty much it. Any final thoughts, anyone? Thanks, Josh, for joining us today. This week. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you, Josh, for joining. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real blast. You can check out Josh's book, Love in a Lost Year. Uh, it's on Amazon now. Uh, you can get it in paperback or on an ebook. Uh, so yeah, have a read. Would recommend. Anything else brewing up in your uh, kind of novel scene? Anything uh, new coming out soon, Josh? Not soon, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I am working. I actually have a f full completed manuscript of another novel. Um, and I am... Um, I mean, I'm always just writing just to keep the 
to use that lovely term, creative juices flowing. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I do genuinely just love it. So I'm always writing stuff and who knows, maybe it will somehow morph into a longer piece of fiction, a cohesive piece of fiction. But for the moment, just bits and bobs of just random scribbles, to be honest, and just enjoying doing that. There you go, world exclusive. <laughs> New Josh Aldridge book is written. <laughs> I do have one final thought. It's my piece of bad news. Well, not bad news. Well, depending on your outlook, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, Which was just from a few days ago, announcement that uh, Queens of the Stone Age have pulled out of Reading and Leeds and they're going to be replaced by Biffy Clyro. I'm interested in both of your thoughts on that. If I I had a ticket, I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, I think I would be too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Quite different, okay. in my opinion. Biffy Clyro have done Reading and Leeds a bunch of times in the past as well, haven't they? I feel, feel like they're, yeah. they're on the the lineup for Reading and Leeds pretty much every year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that that's just me. Yeah. No, I feel as though they potentially are as well. The reason was... The reason was a little vague, I believe, from the article. I mean, this it was like have... logistical reasons, Logis- right? Lo- yeah, logistical reasons, stroke restrictions that weren't weren't um, necessarily put down to COVID restrictions, but I think it was sort of assumed that it might be that or something to do with that. Um, and it, you know, the, the article I read talked about the whole thing of international artists traveling to play gigs during COVID times and. The difficulties of that, um, but yeah, I mean, I would, which I understand, but I would also be very disappointed because I mean, Queens of Stone is one of my favorite bands ever, and I like early Biffy, like I like Biffy Clara's first three, four albums maybe, but I didn't really enjoy anything past Only Revolutions, I don't think, um, in a big way, um, but yeah, I'd be upset, and I do think that uh, songs. Songs for the Deaf is just one of the greatest albums. Even if the artwork looks like it was, I don't know. The, the brief, it looks like the brief for that for that cover um, cover art was just um, something. Please produce something mildly satanic. Um, you have a choice of <laughs> you, you have a choice of two fonts, um, and you have Windows ninety five, and you have thirty seconds. Go, thanks. <laughs> but I kind of like the simplicity of it. But yeah. 
Yeah, me too. And it, it also argument about like often great albums not having the you know most in depth or complicated artwork. Um, but yeah, I would be upset. And I was actually At least the thinking, cameramen can relax, right? They don't have to worry about getting punched or whatever by <laughs> Josh Holm. Well, yeah, there's some dubious things about Josh Holm. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. 